Hello, everyone, and welcome to Get in the Garage. We're a music podcast. For music lovers. We've got a great episode planned for you today, but before we begin, as always, please remember to like and comment and subscribe. Smash that little notification bell so you know whenever we drop new videos, and also review us on Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify, and share, 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 share the podcast with all your friends, family, and this week's special guest listener. I'm going to move up into the century, a content creator. Oh. Someone who makes content. Doesn't matter what it is. Yeah, very nice. A local influencer, maybe? A sure. TikToker, an Instagram. Uh... Anybody who has a phone in their face or making YouTube videos very or good. posting art on the internet. Yes, yes. Um, so I yeah. will, I'll tell you what's going on. Yeah, tonight. let's hear it. I know you're going to pass it right back yeah. over to me. We are doing the podcast with music news which we have every single week you will stay informed you will love it art culture all that good stuff and then we are reviewing two new albums we are reviewing pj harvey's uh i inside the old year dying i wanted to say that correctly it was quite the word sandwich and then we are going to review the new old album which is taylor swift's speak now we listen to the old version of speak now we listen to taylor's version of speak now we will tell you the differences of the album if there are any and we went over the bonus tracks we'll tell you all the fun stuff about speak now taylor's version this is get in the garage roll up a garage door play a theme song wow we're so excited this is awesome let's get it rolling it's been a while since i've uh, triggered the old theme song it has been a few weeks. Has it? Oh, yes. <laughs> wow, this is your music news. <laughs> wow. So, I will lead us off this week. All right, hit it. This is your legal news. Uh, Aretha Franklin had a will that was found in her couch in the year 2019 and... It hmm. then was brought into court among her family and now has been settled to be the actual will. There was another what? will that was originally found in a cabinet uh, that was dated from 2010. The one that was found in a couch was dated from 2014. Um, hmm. Of note, before we go even further here, the couch uh, will and testament was <laughs> notarized. Oh, is, so it was so it was legit. It was <laughs> legitly notarized. Uh, both were, um, both were handwritten as well, which is not ideal. Um, and from all accounts, they were very, very hard to read. Um, but leaving us there, it's hard to write when you're laying on a couch. It is. <laughs> to be fair, it is, it is really hard. <laughs> it is. Uh, they said Aretha Franklin opened all her mail and did all of her business on uh, a couch, so it was no wonder that yeah. that important document was buried there. Um, so initially, the will um, had, I believe, uh, like a split kind of thing with the family, um, but now it favors uh, Kikaf and Edward Franklin, um, whose lawyers argued for the 2014 override of the 2010 override, and uh, <laughs> that's where it stands now. Uh, some of the family is very upset, but uh, I just thought it's it's interesting to know that it came from a couch. And I assume yeah. the names you you read are children of hers. Correct. So. Correct. It was split, I believe, uh, four ways between her children, yeah. um, and it's still split that way. But mm. they just are the executors now, yeah. and I believe have more um, okay. to do and in, in charge. Um, the estate is already was already moving and doing things already. Mm. Um, you've seen releases and greatest hits packages and all mm. that stuff come out. So yeah, yeah, hmm. interesting. 
I just thought yeah. it was interesting that you would go to the trouble of getting something notarized to only lose it in your couch cushion. <laughs> like, <laughs> and the things that are in my couch cushion yeah. aren't wills. They're like buttons and I jelly found beans. a button, a I shirt. found a Pez dispenser, and I found the fortune of my mother. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's such a strange thing. I wonder how they, like, how they came across, like, where... You know what I mean? Was it, were they like just like sitting on the couch one day and they're like, what's this? Oh, it's her will. Is it the same couch that she laid on for that very famous picture? That's like an album cover? Oh, I don't think so, but she has loud. her greatest hits. I think that's the greatest hits album cover. She's like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's very great. But uh, yeah. yeah, so uh, important. Uh, keep your documents in a safe place. Yeah. Uh, Such as underneath the couch. <laughs> underneath the In the lazy boy. <laughs> uh, yes, Michael. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I have some music news. So we'll, we'll be talking about the Taylor Swift Speak Now Taylor's Version album later on in the show. But there has been a little bit of controversy, mm-hmm. if you want to call it that, surrounding the album. Uh, there were apparently a bunch of vinyl misprints with 90s electronic music compilations. <laughs> nice. Sort of Fat like... Boy Slim remixes. You know, yeah. Um, so... Uh, Rachel Hunter, who was a Swift fan and was interviewed by the BBC, said, quote, at first, I thought maybe the vinyl had a secret message from Taylor. (laughs) But when I flipped to the B-side, it started saying, there's seven billion people on Earth. Where are they hiding? I started getting a little scared. I was alone and it was late and my vinyl was playing creepy messages. So, um... She's yeah. watching Wizard of Oz. It came with a clip, right? There was a there was a clip. We can't play you the clip because the music's probably copyrighted. But, yeah, it's like uh, it's a TikTok clip, but it's very that's very funny. I wonder if there's like a retailer these are coming from. If you know what retailer they're coming from, and you bought one, uh, please put it in the comments below. As I am very curious, uh, vinyl misprints are actually incredibly common. They happen all the time, and um, I see them very very frequently. So this is a, a very very high profile one. Uh, at that though so that's really kind of it's it's not ideal but kind of funny yeah it's just interesting I, 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 there is note that says uh, this you know this has happened before um, famously on Beyonce's Lemonade okay. um, and actually Lana Del Rey copies of Lana Del Rey's Born to Die were actually a Wild Honey album instead so you get these strange, strange, uh, strange misprints every once in a while. But yeah, that's a lot just, of money. Yeah. Worth some dough. Yeah. After, I guess. Yeah. That Taylor Swift one probably is going to be worth yeah. worth some dough. Also, Taylor Swift will probably reference this thing in a future thing. It's going to be a hit. You'll like start off a music video with a snippet of some electronic <laughs> nonsense. You know, <laughs> yeah. like she always does that stuff. Yeah. Or you're going to peel off like the center label of the next album is going to be like her take on one of the electronic that, right. songs That's covers. That's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Taylor Swift, do you like any of the music on this misprinted vinyl? Did you listen to it? Let us know, Taylor. <laughs> let us know, Taylor. Um, we know you're listening. And if you got one of these copies uh, of these records, please let us know as well. I'm curious to know. And uh, did you like any of the music on it? Mm. Yeah, and what up. comp is it? Is that... oh, I can tell you. Oh, please tell me what. Okay, oh. so hold on one second. Let me. I have to do a little. What's scrolly, the official comp? Scroll, before, scroll here. Okay, um, uh, it contained the audio for Happy Land, a compendium of alternative electronic music from the British Isles, 1992 to 1996, a compilation released by the British label Above Board Distribution earlier this year. The There's seven pe- billion people on Earth. Where are they hiding? Uh, 
quote was from the Cabaret Voltaire track Soulvine. Wow. And it's a sample from an episode of the TV show The Outer Limits. This might be mm. the largest distribution these indie bands have ever seen, and I'm I'm here for it. Yeah, an exciting day for those bands. So I'm, I'm here for so it. So good for them. Oh, very interesting. Um, I have a reaction video for us. Oh, please. Uh, want to do a little reaction? Yes, let's react. Okay, so uh, Lana Del Rey hits fans vape in Dublin. Oh, please, let's so, let's see this. Let's hear. I will do sound on, too, because it doesn't really matter. Suck my vape. <laughs> and she's, like, trying to hide it. The camera hides pretty great. Oh, definitely smokes. She definitely got some. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, no, okay. She, she took a, a full-on rip. All right. So, oh, good for her. And then somebody handed her some flowers. <laughs> that, that's very nice. Uh yeah. I don't know if I'd be hitting random vapes. I don't know what's in these vapes nowadays. Yeah, you never mm. know. It's in Dublin, though. I mean, does that matter where it is? It's I just guess. beef stew. It's Guinness. I might it's hear. A Guinness vape. I might hear what you're saying in that. Seeing that, like, I think in the states, like, weed and stuff is more legal in those things, so it might be like yeah, more. Yeah, because they're not smoking. I don't know. Are they, are they everywhere, everywhere, know. all over the place know. for the entire? What do you mean they're history. not smoking weed in Dublin? They're con they're, they're, they're well, definitely smoking weed. You think so? Yeah, dude, worldwide, it's, it's baby. Dublin. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> now you got a dab, Luke. <laughs> Thanks. I don't know, man. I mean, their color is green. The official color of Ireland <laughs> is green, so I guess. Uh, are you from Ireland? Do you uh, do you smoke up? Let us know. Yeah, let oh us know God. what's going on in Ireland. Man. Yeah, you what's up with the devil's lettuce the over there? <laughs> <laughs> um, so Lyle Del Rey hitting vapes. I I'm here for it. It's rad. She looked she looked kind of cool doing it. Uh, yeah, she looks happy. She's having a good time. She looked happy. It was fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Lyle Del Rey, was it weed? Please tell us. Please let us know. This is, these are the real questions we yes. need to know. Uh, this is uh, the conclusion of our music news. This has been music news. This has been music news. All right, everybody. Time for our new album reviews of the week. Before we get into it, though, remember to hit that subscribe button. Make sure to drop us a comment in uh, the comment section below and let us know if you agree with us or if you don't agree with us. Were we right? Were we wrong? All that good stuff. Jeffrey, I'll hand it off to you. Bring us on in, man. Our first new album review this week is by English singer and musician PJ Harvey. The album is entitled I Inside the Old Year Dying. This is PJ Harvey's 10th studio album. Mm -hmm. It's produced by Harvey alongside her longtime collaborators Flood and John Parrish. It is inspired by her epic poem entitled Orlam. It has lots of nods to Shakespeare and like nursery rhymes and British Isles folkiness. Um, PJ Harvey is known for kind of being somewhere in the like avant-garde singer-songwriter, a little bit of Riot Girl, a little bit like Fiona Apple type of thing. Um, this is a very mature album. This is our first album, I believe in like seven years. Uh, I enjoy this album a lot. This is a... Uh, I don't know how you say it. Mature, kind of like muted, but uh, interesting, mm -hmm. kind of very artistic, full statement of an album. Uh, what did you guys think about this album? Uh, this is my first dive into PJ Harvey. Oh. Um, I wanted to kind of review this album to see like mm -hmm. what was going on. I see a lot of people uh, post and listen to her albums all the time. This album is uh, a very like subdued kind of thing. It has its rises and its falls, but kind of sits in that very subdued uh, area. Very, very dense lyrically. It is super dense lyrically. Um, one of the most interesting lyrical albums I think I've ever listened to. It has callbacks from the first song all the way to the last song and everywhere in between. Um, 
the love interest that I believe is the love interest in here is being related to Elvis and Love Me Tender and this idea, and that gets strung in and out. Um, I don't know if I like love this style of music, but the style of lyricism is really, really, really intriguing. And then it like ABs this like highbrow, um, folky witch tales, spooky kind of uh, imagery with very plain language about like Pepsi and banana sandwiches and Elvis and like kind of like those feelings. And I feel like the A and B of those really work well and make um quite like the artsy fartsy record um mm -hmm. that I really kind of enjoyed and it's it's not something to like I it's hard to review because I think it's like one of those records that you're gonna dive mm -hmm. into way deeper later yeah I think you're uh as well as like Luke said uh this is also my first go at PJ Harvey even though she's been around since what would he say like 91 or yeah, something like 90s. that early mm -hmm. 90s which was kind of like threw me off because I was like oh really the, you know she's been a lot around for that long um yeah, this record was a, was kind of a hard one for me. The first time I listened to it, I found that I didn't really connect with it very much. I didn't really... I don't know. It's hard to say. Because I, I can't say that I didn't like it mm -hmm. as much as I can say that like it made me feel a way that I didn't necessarily enjoy. But I don't think that 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 like counts against an album you know what i'm trying to say like i think like an album is supposed yeah. to evoke whatever emotions that it's supposed to evoke and maybe maybe sort of like negative feelings or feelings of anxiety or something like that is like what she's trying to go for mm -hmm. so it's i can't really count that against this record i don't know if that was the ultimate goal or the vision for the listener to experience sort of what i experienced listening to it but i did find upon further listens uh, I listened to this about four times that um, it did. It started growing on me, started growing on me. I think the things that I initially wasn't a huge fan of, which was sort of like, you know, those kind of strange sort of sounds that kind of like come in mm. and out and sort of weave in all these weird like modulation -y type type things and like the crazy like the ceiling is like a million feet tall sort of echo and delay and like all this crazy stuff that sort of made me feel anxious, I think, at first kind of wore me down by the fourth listen and I was like oh I can kind of get it because it's because it really is like it's a, a very a um it's a very immersive listen you're like in the PJ Harvey universe and you're like okay well I'm in here so I might as well get comfy you know and then if you can if you kind of stretch out a little bit in this record I find you can kind of find like a nice little corner in the room to kind of you know settle in with it you know what I yeah mean? I think to what you're what you're speaking to is if this album came out like the first week of November, I think we'd all feel a lot different about it. Uh, this yeah. is the middle of July. It's 90 degrees during the day. And this is very much a like folksy fall type of yeah, feeling well that, it, yeah. that it evokes. Um, and also sound wise that uh, you said, I thought it sounded very much like it tricks you into thinking like, oh, this sounds like three or four collaborators playing and singing in a room. And then you realize there's all these droney things in the mix. There's all these subtle things going yeah. on. It's very much like a headphones album with a lot of textures, a lot. Because uh, songs will end and trail off and it'll have some like bubbling, gurgling type of thing that was in there the whole time. And you're like, oh, I didn't realize that's part of the song. Right, right. Uh Two about like the production style mm. the drums on this Jeff I kind of pictured you loving them the whole time because yeah. they are like the loudest softest drums <laughs> yes it's a very you can tell he's they're playing very very soft yeah but in the mix it's like well, the the drums are almost the loudest thing in every single song mm. I I think like yeah. moving like the rhythm along mm. and it's it's not doing like uh, anything like really like 
you know bombastic but it's just like a lot of driving forward in a slow kind of stomping motion and it's like mm-hmm. the loudest softest drums i was like how did they record these yeah it sounds like it's yeah played extremely sensitively but then because everything's like compressed and pushed up slightly in the mix it just has all this little the the natural squeakiness and whatever room sound yeah, stuff absolutely um, as far as this album this album is 12 tracks long it's 40 minutes um my uh history with pj harvey i started listening to her music when i was like 19 in college um specifically because she had uh, i think at the time three albums that were in the rolling stone top 500 albums list um that's the albums rid of me uh to bring you my love and stories from the city stories from the sea uh she's also an artist who has won the coveted mercury prize twice for stories from the city stories from the sea and let england shake uh the mercury prize is uh the best album in the british and irish isles every year so she is like a big figure especially i think over in england and in the uk um i think this is so different than anything else i've heard from her because when there's electric guitar on this album, it's like, is this electric guitar or is this kind of like a synth sound that's mm-hmm. making it kind of sound like electric guitar? Um, it, well, I wasn't quite sure a lot of the time. Um, I liked a lot of this album, especially, I mean, I say especially and then I look at my list and it's like, yeah, I, I liked a lot of this album. But the, <laughs> the songs, um, I really liked Autumn Term. Oh, I loved Autumn Term. Which has like... A lot of the album, this like kind of rustic drums, acoustic guitar type of picking. Um, there's these kid playing sounds that weave in. There's these like walls of drones. Um, I really like the next song. This I believe I'll say it's called "Lonesome Tonight." Another song that has it's a lot of finger style acoustic on this album. A lot of like drone kind of electric guitar or synths. A lot of that like skittery. Not propulsive, but like mm. constant rhythm thing. Like this remind me a lot. If you're a fan of the Radiohead uh, most recent album, A Moon Shaped Pool, it's very much like that. And she is a, f- a collaborator of those guys. So uh, shout um, out to the spelling of lonesome as well on there. And that's then, that must be a Shakespeare thing or oh, something. It's so yeah, good. I it's, I, it's almost like yeah. a little kiddish, like the way yeah, it's spelled yeah. out. And um, this song, especially this song for me lyrically is the whole album in a nutshell for me it's the first half of the song is Mm -hmm. dense very dense like poetry Mm -hmm. um that's like all like wooden and like i think there's a line about squirrels in there or something Mm -hmm. and then the second half is juxtaposed with normal stuff peanut butter sandwiches pepsi um and a kiss that doesn't like come back like she goes to give like a lover a kiss and the kiss is you know pulled away Mm -hmm. and the first half you then afterwards you're like oh was the first half her like poetic uh you know inner poetic thoughts about this man and then it goes to the real scene and for me that's this album in a nutshell it's doing that whole astral thing and then coming back to like normal stuff and then astral stuff and then like normal things so in this song i think it's a really good what the album's about yeah i liked uh, what i thought was cool with this record too was it seemed like sort of so you have all of these sort of you know flourishes of this and that like in uh you know there's there's weird sort of like in the song august where it's like the percut there's a percussion hit but it's like a cra- it's like yes you yeah, get stuff like yeah. that you know what i mean yeah. but what's cool and i think a, you know a cool thing that she did was it's almost like that acoustic guitar that's kind of like this thread that's mm-hmm. threaded throughout is like the one straight thing 
that's true at all. So, like, that's the one thing that, like, is never really hit with crazy effects or anything mm-hmm. like that. And there's all this other. So, there's, like, that. Le- I, I like that. that. There's this one consistent sort of this is an acoustic guitar kind of sprinkled in here. Mm-hmm. And it's always just, like, straight up. Um, but, yeah, songs-wise, I loved A Noiseless Noise, the the, the last song. I thought that was yeah. last, I last that song was so was dope. My that, favorite song. Yeah, and that's yeah, the only that song, song on the too. whole cycle that, like, actually gets to like a forte to like uh right yeah in this yeah. in the middle where there's a like wall of feedback drone yeah, type like stuff goes all noisy and yeah. then it, and then it comes, comes back, back down, down though yeah intro, like the yeah. dynamics of that song it literally just yeah yeah it's got like a whole arc to it yeah. which is really great um a child's question was another one where a child's question sorry july was another one that mm. initially i hated that song but then i listened to it a couple more times i think that's the one the lick the toad uh, lyrics in that oh, song. Uh, that yes, Which a song? child's question in July uh, is uh, that's the one that sounds like it's like the Renaissance Fair song. Nursery rhyme. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. very. It, it's ro- like ring around the rosy. Where yeah, she's yeah, like, yeah. "Tell me which one licked yeah. the toad." Yeah, yeah. yeah that's the, I said, I said it's yeah. the most witchy track. Yes, like, it's yes, very, yes. It sounds country. like a, she's casting a spell. Yeah, this yeah. was my <laughs> least favorite track on here because okay. it did like it's because like yeah. the rest of it, it's like the lyrics are already doing that for doing yeah, like yeah. that imagery for me. Yeah. So when you do this, it's like. It's, a, it's just a little too on the nose for me. Mm-hmm. So that was like the only track on here where I was like, I don't love this. Mm-hmm. Um, or like it didn't really like, yeah. you know, that, but mm-hmm. stand out to me. But it's such an interesting album because it really just broods for mm-hmm. 40 minutes until you get to that last piece that really like crescendos yeah. in a big way. Um, it's very interesting. Are you guys familiar yeah. with the album, it, uh, David Bowie's last album, Black Star? No. Because that's another one where sonically it reminded me a lot of because it's like you got to really listen in with everything to like hear all the layers of stuff going on and like little things pop out of the texture. Sometimes there's like on this album, there's like a synth line that'll happen, but you have to be like, Hmm. Okay, that's an interesting. Why didn't they have that higher in the mix? But it's like supposed to be so subtle in the yeah, background. Yeah, uh, you know what's weird was like so I listened to this album in headphones, and mm. then I also had it playing just on my laptop, mm. and the listening experience was so different. Oh yeah, because the headphones obviously give you like the full range, mm. but ev- but like coming through just the the laptop mm. speakers. The frequencies are all different, yeah, so yeah. it's like, wait a minute, this sounds completely. Di- it's like the mm. same songs, but you're like, wait a minute, this sounds a little. This sounds different. Mm. What the hell's going on? You know, it, yeah. like it played like a weird trick on you, listening mm. back in different. Oh yeah, I ways, definitely played it on my phone. It sounded, I think, terrible compared to headphones. Headphone was so yeah, ideal. You, you have yeah. to have that because it's it's, that's, it's that's warm and one. woodsy, and like it sounds so live in the room. The yeah. vocals, like she has a great voice, but she has a great voice because it's such a. Um, a natural voice like she does falsetto type singing she lets it be shaky or she lets it be kind of stressed and like falling off the edge at times um, she's not like a Beyonce vocalist she's a very like true just sing my songs right and, uh, yeah. did yeah. you guys pick up on the before we leave mm. I wanted to ask like what you guys thought did you guys pick up on the, the uh, other thing that ran through this whole album the allusions to the wordle um, I did hear that many times. I wanted to read along the lyrics. So, so like, the the lyrics to yeah. me, the lyrics were so it was so that this is when I started to get into the album is mm-hmm. because I'm like you hear Elvis's "Love Me Tender" and it's even mm-hmm. uh, interpolated mm-hmm. in this album, mm-hmm. and so um, like the Elvis character, the Wyman Elvis mm-hmm. character together, and then the Wordle 
uh, mm. aspect of it all. The, the, like I was like, is Wordle an old English word? Is the game yeah. Wordle being <laughs> referenced in a old modern way in a yeah. poetic nature? Mm. I was so confused by the like mm. literal like poetic vining of this mm. record. It was so dense, and I was trying to. For me, I was just trying to unlock like what we're like talking about on this record, and yeah. for me. I, I'm coming up with like boy girl thing, but like it obviously seems much more dense than that, and that's what I was most interesting at. And I was wondering if you guys had any thoughts on the wordle, if it was a modern use in or like a double meaning. I, of, I, I wasn't sure, but what you're saying about like what is what on this album? It, this album is very it's accessible. It's sing. There's melodies, and it's not like a burden to listen to, but it is very like kind of almost like an avant-garde classical folk music song cycle. Yes. Because mm. so many themes come in and out. It's like, it seems like a piece you'd listen to all at once, 40 minutes, in a quiet amphitheater, and then at the end... It's almost like, like this, this yeah, is the other you know? thing. It's almost, I can't imagine listening to it now Now that I like really got into the- Like, like picking out a song? Yeah, like I yeah. couldn't listen to like, what, like you listen yeah, to yeah. one song because you're like, oh, well, this is missing the later reference of right, like right. when she like really goes to like yeah. the full-on Elvis Love Me Tender at yeah. the end and he's singing it with her. And it was like folksy, like, yeah. I want to say opera form, you know, like that music yeah. like where things are self-referential it, and stuff. It, and then the Elvis part mm. too was almost like mixing it back into like Americana, mm. uh, like yeah, yeah. like thought-wise with the classic like English like mm. nursery rhymes. Yeah. It was, that was the layer that I found the most interesting about this album. And yeah. I, I don't yeah. know if I fully have unpacked it in my head as, we, as you can well, see. Well, there's a yeah. lot of male voices you hear sprinkled throughout this a couple of them are actors so i feel like this is maybe like something that is going to be staged as like a you know i don't know like a, a sung play type of thing I, i'm not quite sure yeah especially because it's based something. on a poem she like written she had written like it's so many layers to it like i don't <laughs> yeah it, I don't it, know. it definitely made for one of the most like interesting like oh what am i listening to yeah. like this i yeah, haven't, yeah. I haven't listened to anything like yeah. this before like in a at least in a long time or before easy listening but very artsy yeah, yeah. very artsy yeah. on the i'd say on somewhat of a cutting edge of of something somewhere it's yeah, yeah. very interesting yeah so yeah. ratings then if we're oh. going to go on to ratings i know this one feels unfair to rate i don't know like where like I put this at it's so well it's so well done for like what it is though I'm gonna say it's it's like eight five for me mm. the lyrics have me like Strong. thinking about it it's really like mm. thought provoking mm. and it like we said well done the production's interesting and lyrically just go and read unpack like everything mm. in there I thought it was one of the most interesting things I've read this year uh for, as far as lyrics go uh I, I don't know if it's like fully my taste but I really liked it I'm gonna say mm. eight five. Yeah, Respect. I I'll, uh, I'm gonna I'm just gonna go with a solid seven. I feel like I I had a hard time digesting this record, and I don't not enjoy this this style, but I don't really see this as being an album that I would kind of go back. Because you're right, it's it's something that it's like you have to listen to it in its entirety in order to get the full effect. And I don't know that I would want to re-listen to this in its entirety. You know what I mean? But I respect it, and it's that same question that's like. Is it a good album? Yes. Do I like it? 
that's an, that's something you kind of have to wrestle with because you can still like you can look at a piece of art and be like and respect sure, it sure. and understand that like this is a beautiful piece of art. But if it doesn't resonate with you, it doesn't resonate with you. It's mm-hmm. not that it's bad or good. You know what I'm saying? So that's where I'm at. I'm going to give it a solid seven. Uh, you know, maybe I'll revisit it in the fall and yeah. see if I feel any different. Maybe it's a summer seven and an autumn eight. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, know. perhaps. We'll see. We'll As see. Mike always <laughs> says, like, he's like, you could put this around on the campfire. This, this is, fall. Yeah, this yeah. fall, you put this on that Halloween party, I Drink think. Drink some apple cider, and it baby. Would, and it oh, would yeah. play well. Around a bubbling yeah. cauldron. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, same thoughts. Uh, I like some of her work more than this um, because I like her more like soul, almost like electronica strangeness stuff. This was excellent though, and I'm super into this. And like 40 minutes headphone, like so much stuff to get in your ears. Um, this is a strong 8.5 for me. I want to give it a nine, but I'm giving it 8.5 because yeah, like this, I may not go back to a million times, but I'm gonna go back to it. Yeah. yeah. Give it another shot. Let us know in the comments below what you think. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Do you love this album? Do you hate this album? What's your rating? Let us know in the comments below. It is now time for our new old, old new, new old, who's to say, re-recorded album review of the week. It's Taylor's version. It's Taylor's version. Jeffrey, would you like to uh, usher in this uh, this review for yes, us? Yes, before I usher us in, remember to subscribe, to yes. like the video, to share with friends, please. Um, this review is of Taylor Swift's Speak Now, Taylor's version. We're going to talk a little bit about the original version released in 2010, which was her third studio album. We're going to talk a little bit about the Taylor version, which is her third re-recording of mm-hmm. one of her first six albums. Those first six albums are owned by a different corporation. Big Machine, I think. Big Machine originally had the rights, and they sold it to Scooter Braun's investment firm. He sold it to some other conglomerate, and Taylor Swift has a big problem with her music being used as a commodity, although this is music business. It's part of the thing. So what she is doing, and I applaud the effort, is re-recording those first six albums so that she owns her masters, not just of the written material of the songs, but of the actual songs as you stream them etc etc um the first version i'll just say some stats released in 2010 produced by taylor swift and nathan chapman nathan chapman multi-instrumentalist and vocalist all over the album he produced her first six albums almost entirely by himself um and taylor swift wrote all of the songs on this album uh, the original 2010 version is 14 or 20 tracks long, depending on if you count all those bonus tracks. It is an hour and seven minutes or an hour and 31 minutes long. Um, this new version, Taylor's version, produced by Taylor Swift and Christopher Rowe. And then there's input from Jack Antonoff and Aaron Dessner, some of her recent collaborators, on the bonus from the vault tracks, the last six tracks that you'll hear on the Taylor's version. Uh, this new re-recording uses some of the art, some of the musicians from the 2010 version, specifically Mike Meadows, who played electric guitar on the original version, and on this Taylor's version, he takes over the Nathan Chapman multi-instrumentalist harmony vocalist role. Uh, this new version also features bassist Amos Heller, who played bass on the first version, and it also features her backup singer from. 12, 13 years ago, Liz Hewitt singing vocals on, I think, four tracks on the Taylor's version. This Taylor's version is 22 tracks, if you include the six from the vault tracks, 
It is an hour and 45 minutes long. It is a feast for the fans. Um, <laughs> I don't know what you guys think about this. We'll get into it. This album, like painstakingly, along with her other recordings, painstakingly reproduces like the actual sounds from the original recording yep. to a kind of like alarming de- degree at sometimes because you're like, God damn, they fucking like not copy and paste but they got musicians to make this shit sound 99.5 percent the same um what are your thoughts in general of like the a and b between the original version and the taylor's version of this album uh i mean just throw some i think the original version feels hot white bright like 2010s pop um even like that production style, it's it's not really around that much anymore. Like yes. we really don't like do that anymore. Mm-hmm. And the new one takes um that white hot light off, mm-hmm. but only just like a smidge. It mm-hmm. only just like takes it off like a little bit. Yep. Um, there are a couple songs that I think changed um mm-hmm. a little bit, and it's only like and a lot of them like a couple of them changed sonically, but not that much. And then um. The biggest change, I think, was the perspective, the age perspective. Sure. You have a 34-year-old singing um, what like a 20-year-old used to be singing or a 19-year-old. So I think that that makes it interesting, it, the most interesting from the A and B uh, portion of it. But yeah. really, it's so it's so the same. It's just like taking a light and just dimming it like the, the slightest yes. little dim. That's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah I agree. Uh, it definitely – that dimming makes things – warmer feeling mm-hmm. cleaner feeling mm-hmm. uh i found that sort of like the lower end frequencies were a bit more pronounced that like luke said that you lose a little bit of sizzle but you gain a little bit sort of underneath everything which i thought sounded really nice uh and her voice i thought her voice sounded really really good on the taylor's version just because like luke said i mean it's you know she's 34 now she's not 20 or you know however old she was when she recorded the original and i like i think that tonally like her voice you can hear the maturity in her mm-hmm. voice, and for my ears, I my preference was I like the sound of the mature voice much more. Also, okay. speaking of voice, before we leave that real fast, uh, the twang that was kind of on maybe songs like uh, "Mine" and "Mean,", mean yeah. um, it's kind of been it's gone now. Like that's like yes. not really like yeah. "Main" isn't really "Main" anymore. It's like "Mean," so yes. um, yeah. that's changed. I think. Yeah. Um, so we talked about the light being slightly dim. So a lot of that high end, high EQ stuff was very bright and sizzly on the original version. This is warmer. It's kind of like, you know, if you look at something in, you know, whatever, 1080 versus 4K or whatever, it's like, right, right. it's me. I think instrumentally, there is a lot more um, depth on these songs, a lot more coloration, some additional interesting, like kind of panning stuff. Like when you listen to it with headphones, uh, the mix just sounds like there's more money behind it. There's maybe like a higher level of musicians. Um, I don't know. But like the original, listening to the original, that shit is, I thought I didn't like this album. And then I listened to this. I'm like, God damn, this original version, like this thing holds up. Like the fact that yeah. a 19-year-old girl made this with like studio pros in Nashville, like this thing is is ripping it's really good yeah. for pop country music which is not my thing but so i yeah, thought the agreed. same thing too because i was like one i don't in my head i'm like i don't really like this that much and then mm. two i'm like um i don't know any of this mm. and then um listening to it i knew every mm. song because it was like ubiquitous in culture apparently yeah. um and 
I liked it a lot. That was really, really a strong, yeah. really, really, really strong record. And I kind of have to say this after A and Bing them, I kind of think I liked the originals Hot White. Thank you. Me hot too, bro. White better because I was like, and this was Me the too. thing. I didn't know if I was nostalgic for that style mm. of pop music that's right when I graduated high school. This is what came out 2011. Yeah. To, yeah. That was I was a year out of high school. Mm. I don't know if like that's like that style of pop music that I'm nostalgic for, mm. but um, man, I really liked that on the on the production of all these songs and the new one. It was cool and interesting, mm. and I liked it for like being a fan of Taylor Swift yeah. to like A and B them. But I was here for the original production. Well, that's the thing I wanted to ask you guys too. So like I Please. know that I know that the like the re-release thing. There's mm -hmm. more about as far as like her and the legal challenges mm -hmm. and all that stuff and the master recordings and all that stuff. But I wanted to ask you guys your opinion, sort of on like like the re-recording, just kind of as a blanket to mm -hmm. uh, topic, because it's just like you know, because I thought about that. I'm listening to this and I'm like, you know, I understand why she's re-recording it. But in a way, does it sort of kind of like muddy up the vision? Because like, you know, man, like it's like that. It's like that thing where like, you know, 20, 10 or 11, you know, that production style, those songs mm -hmm. that it, it all sort of encapsulate encapsulates like this bubble that was this sort of time when like people, yes. people were all of a sudden yes. Swifties. There was the birth of the Swiftie and like all that stuff was happening, mm -hmm. you know, so does the the legal thing set aside does this taylor's version sort of take away from that kind of magic that's on i think the, it the original, celebrates it i think yeah, it yeah, celebrates yeah. it yeah, and pays I, tribute I so and honor yeah, to it yeah, yeah. i i think that's like what i kind of got out of it because I, I i thought the same thing especially like when this was like all these were announced and i was like yeah i don't like that idea and mm. then like after like seeing it done i'm like Oh, I really like this idea because it's like it really shows where you've been and mm. um, where you're going, and it pays tribute to her fans that still love these songs and this music. And even though Taylor's like outgrown this, like some of this st writing style, she still like goes back and like pays tribute to the people that like really liked it. And, you know, so I think it adds to like the legacy in her fandom. Yeah. This I, is a business move, though. This is this my, the only reason why she's yes. doing this. Right, yeah, because yeah. Because this isn't Joni Mitchell or Peter Gabriel or Carol King like re-recording different versions, different arrangements, different styles of their songs 30 years later. This is like, I want to make these songs sound exactly the same except for now I'm 33 and I'm singing it. Because like, is there even a, f I would say there is less than a 5% difference on the instrumental tracks. Yeah. Like and most songs, I would say it's like a less than one percent difference. Well, sure. let's talk about let's talk about the ones that the are like the most different because we really didn't okay. like song by song. Most different. I thought "Dear John" was like the one that popped out to me to be like the most different, and that was mostly vocals and well, and tinge. Right, and that's my whole thing on this is like you said that you like the twenty ten version better. I like the twenty ten version better between the two. Because these are songs written by an 18, 19 year old woman and with a twang in her voice and a young voice and a kind of sizzly high end. And like now she sounds like a 33 year old who doesn't twang out the country. It's just very different to be singing songs about being in high school love and not sounding like you're a high schooler in love. Like, right. like I think vocals specifically, like as we can tell from these versions, like even that single coil lead guitar on Dear John, it sounds like 99.5% exactly the same, which is hard to do, but can be done. Mm -hmm. 
you can't sound like yourself 15 years ago. There's ve- oh, like yeah. there's very few vocalists I think that have ever lived that like if you really recorded the shit they wouldn't sa- like as you your voice matures oh, and changes and sure. see I loved yeah. the see I like I think the, she's a better singer now but I like the I like the 2010 old, version yeah. overall but like songs like Dear John mm. I liked it where she was older because it was almost like she was singing to herself back Perspective. then Sure, sure. And yeah, that yeah. was like the new feel yeah. I got from it. And yeah, yeah. that one for me was the most like A B darker. Like it sounded darker to me, like in tone, yeah. like uh production wise. I think the growing whatever it's called, grow old. Oh yes. Uh, I think that's never, another one. Never grow up. That's yeah. one that works. Yes, yeah. because it's that one also Because she's not a nineteen year old singing about like her friend who just had a baby. She's now like at a more midlife age singing about young people, maybe in a general sense. Like it's like the meaning we all put into it kind of thing. Yeah. But or the revenge song, better better at revenge. Oh, yes. Like with the with the lyric change. Right. I think the lyric change because the lyric change in the original version was she's known more for what she does on the mattress and now it's completely changed to be uh he's a moth to a flame, she's the one who holds the matches. It's like a you know, a, a whatever, a softening current climate of certain sensibilities about like men and female power dynamics and yeah but i mean and it's all right whatever do your thing but uh i think it's i think it's interesting i think i think it may have started off as up the this project may have started off as like one thing Mm -hmm. as like i'm gonna make them exactly the same Mm -hmm. and i think now it's more of like i'm gonna do this to like one do that as well but also Mm -hmm. make it so um, the fans can grow mm-hmm. and have like a new, you mm-hmm. know, like grow with the legacy of the whole thing again, yeah. and like, and so I think it's been like a real, like, um, you know, the fans have been really rallying around like the old Taylor Swift ideas and like really getting back into it, and I think it's, it's really just it's like a high school reunion. Type that's of thing. what it feels yeah. like. It's which like, is yeah, cool. Yeah. It's almost like if AC, yeah. it's like if ACDC yeah, yeah. I, the way out left field, but yeah, it was yeah. like. You know, we're gonna re-record Back in Black as old men, and like it's not gonna be the same, but we're gonna go out and tour it, and it's gonna yeah. be fun, and it's just because we feel yeah. like it, and uh, we want to right. hear what it sounds like now. Uh, I'm in for it. I respect I, so, it. Yeah, I support it. Me too. But all things being said, like let me hear the Taylor's version instrumentals with the 2010 Taylor vocals on top of it. Oh, to me, that's what I want because if we're going like heavyweight heavyweight champs against each other. The the old, the 2010 version I think is is 25 percent better vocals in my opinion because of the young voice the young perspective how it matches, mm. whereas the new Taylor's version the instrumentals are like maybe five percent better and more interesting so I think you're weighing I give the weight to the vocals like these this is singer songwriter music the vocals are so important it's yeah. so hard to extricate time and place and like. Absolutely. If these Taylor's versions were like, I'm 33 and we're going to like make these songs like different instrumentally, I think I'd be more on board. But like, because they're so similar, they're, 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 you know, other than, other than tweaking some EQs, it's like the same. I will say, uh, with the song, I think it's Last Kiss or Long Live. It was one of those two, but I think it's Last Kiss where there's like, um, I didn't plan on you changing your mind, I think is the lyric, where there's kind of like this warble breathy, in her voice. Yeah, the, the meme. Yeah. yeah. R.I.P. the breathy voice. Yeah, R.I.P. <laughs> the breathy voice. I think that was Last Kiss. I yes. did find, and I'll try to make sure, I'll try to remember to send it to, uh, for, uh, to you, Luke, or maybe we'll try to put it in the link uh, down below in the bio. Mm-hmm. But I did find one YouTube video that had 
the original yeah, version yeah, in the sure. left ear and then the new version in the right ear and yeah. it was such a weird thing to yeah, listen yeah. to but it was it, it was cool though because yeah. you're like wait a minute you're, you know you're so you're it's for those where you close your eyes and you try to focus really hard and like yeah. split your head in half to try to like yeah. find the i respect it on the side, but there here's, yeah. here's but there my, is clearly the vocal difference here's my yeah. real question do we feel like mm-hmm. these songs on the the bonus songs now? Let's talk about yes, the bonus please. songs. Yes, moving on. Yeah. yeah. Do we think the bonus songs are really from the vault, or do you think these are new oh. songs? Oh no no no! I had heard that the songs were originally from the vault, but they were re-recorded yes. for this record. But where are the old vault songs? So we know that vault's been closed up like Tutankhamun's. Here's what I'm. Oh, <laughs> here's here's my. It's at Gringotts. Here's <laughs> my sly, like eh, I don't know if this is true. Yeah. Yeah. If Big Machine had those songs, they would not let them out. They would let them out. They'd release them. They want money. Oh yeah, they would. They would let, let them out. They'd yeah, sell yeah. them. Right, right, right. Yeah, and especially yeah. now that they're released to the public. So yeah. I'm wondering if but these were in- incomplete songs, like sketches, perhaps. My I, idea was these were demos from that era that never got made. Uh, made. So that's my little bit of like yeah. because. Also, the legality of it, though. Do they did they technically own those songs? You oh, know what they, I'm saying? They own them if they recorded. I think because that's the same thing with like the Stones, Brown, uh, Stick. Uh, on Sticky Fingers, Brown Sugar and Wild Horses are owned by um, the old record company. Mm. Um, oh, because they recorded them before, before they went into record Sticky Fingers. Exactly. Ah, I see. Before they were on Atlantic yeah. Records. So yeah. um, it's stuff like that. Um, also, mm. I thought the bonus tracks, too, were interesting because it seemed like it was almost like a a little bit of like rewriting of like uh, emo history over here, uh, like the Taylor Swift like being with Haley Williams and and Fallout Boy. Fall Boy. Because if you were like really around at that time, so separate, very like literally, oh, yeah, yeah. like different lunch tables at school, completely different. Lunch <laughs> it, was, tables. it was Abercrombie and Fitch and Hot Top. I'll tell you, it was a, and it was a war. It was a Cold War. It was a Cold War, and we sat yeah, at yeah. different tables. Um, so this is uh, for me. There is that like one pop punky song on here. Um, which was uh, better than Revenge, but that see, oopsie, ah no, we don't get sued. Um, for me, it was just a bit of like, bit of rewriting of the history, seeing that the emo. That's what she does, popular. though, man. She's friends with all the celebrities on every walk. Though of life. very influenced by um, yeah. Patrick Stump and from Fall Out Boy, and says like Fall Out Boy is one of her favorite bands, and has been talking about them in interviews for years. So yeah, I thought that was interesting, I mean, and I liked all the songs. I'm just. You know, talking grand. Schemes. I like some more than others. Yeah, I like. Um, I liked. I can see Me you. Too. That one was the one where yeah. I was like, I can oh, see you is my favorite. I'm like, Cause, hell cause yeah. Because that's like that's, that's like '80s Fleetwood Mac doing the Police. Yeah, <laughs> I know. That's I love that though. It was like that yeah. cool like I, we all cool love like that four on the floor. You know what I mean? It sounded like, much more like the 1989 tracks. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It had that yeah indie surf rock yeah, kind yeah, of thing, but the right. chorus was still very Taylor Swift from that era. From yeah, that era, yeah. you know. Uh, even Castles Crumbling, the uh, featuring Haley Williams, I don't, I don't know that it was like definitely my favorite one of the of the lot uh, as far as the bonus tracks went. Mm-hmm. But I thought Haley Williams's voice like sounded nice. It complemented the song well. And I think I'm not sure, but I leaned very closely and I thought, is that a Mellotron that's kind <laughs> of like floating around in this song? Oh, probably. I'm telling. I was like, oh, is that a Mellotron? I get excited. Not, it it might be a fake Mellotron. Yeah. yeah. But, um, I like the the Haley Williams uh, Castle's Crumbling too, which was uh, about the famous Kanye mic grab, uh, supposedly. Yeah. Mm. So um, it, written in that era, there's another song on this record that's also about that uh, on the original album. But uh, did you guys like Timeless, the final bonus track on this record? I did. 
because yeah. like I, my comment was, why wasn't this on the album? This was it sounds so, it's so Taylor great Swift. storytelling. It sounds too. so That's much like the Speak Now other collection of songs. Yeah. Uh, Whereas some of the other ones, where I'm like, eh, I don't know if this made sense with these pop country things. Exactly. Uh, time foolish was, one, same thing. And when Emma falls in love, my, those. They ban- with the little banjo tinges on things. I yeah. like. I yeah. think when Emma falls in love, maybe might have been like a little too country. Like th- I think right. it was like a sure. little like uh, it was thought out. She said she struggled very much with the mm. original track listing of this rac- mm. r- record. Um, when Emma falls in love, too, uh, reportedly about uh, Emma Stone, yeah, Emma uh, Stone, yeah. the actress. So uh, th- I thought that was kind of interesting too, and maybe originally left off the album to like not put mm. more celebrity names on the album because it was already pretty heavily, yeah, celebrity filled. You know. Yeah. Um, do you have any final thoughts on on this whole thing? Um, I have uh, no, no, no more final thoughts. Uh, I uh, I like it though. Me. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I'll sure. give I'll give some final thoughts. So sure. I kind of went into listening to this record with some sort of like um, biases, perhaps, mm-hmm. or preconceived notions of what I thought this was going to be. I was never a big when this album came out. I was still all in on like Lamb of God, so <laughs> I was not really I was not really doing heavy Taylor Swift yeah. listening. Uh, you know, we re- we uh, we reviewed Midnight's when that came out, and I found it to be a little bit underwhelming. Apologies to the Swifties, but that was just my opinion. Um, and <clears throat> so I kind of went into this being like, all right, well, here we go, a Taylor Swift record. And I came out the other end, and I'm like, I really like Taylor Swift. I really like this album. This record completely changed my mind and my opinion on Taylor Swift. I... I have a deep respect for her as a songwriter, especially that these songs were written by a 19, 20 year old and the time that they were recorded and stuff, you know? And, uh, uh, yeah, I would, I, I'm, I, I'm team Taylor Swift now, man. I, I enjoyed this record a lot more than I thought I would. I'm going to double up on your final thought there, Jerry Springer. And I'm going to okay. really say that I agree with you And this record mm-hmm. and re-release of Taylor's version. I mm-hmm. made me have a lot more respect from Taylor Swift than I originally had mm-hmm. and made me way more of a fan than I originally was. So yeah, yeah, I strongly I, agree. I um I respect the business move about re-recording these things so that you own your masters. Um, I I fully endorse fans going and streaming the hell out of this Taylor's version so that the other one becomes a little bit more obsolete. Most streamed thing ever on Spotify in one day on wow. the original release day last Friday. The bots are hard at work. Um, me as a musician, like I love the originals lead vocals uh, more than the Taylor's version but that's me um, I don't I'm not a Taylor Swift listener that much I listened to 1989 f- here and there um, I kind of thought that I was like uh, this album but after listening to it like this is an extremely strong album mm-hmm. this is like the original version this new version it's just like great songwriting it's like way more classic songs than I thought were on this um and it's like, th- I think the risk you run when you re-record your, your music, which a lot of bands do to get control of their masters and to get some of that revenue that is now owed to the stu- to the businesses that own the original masters. What, what you run the risk of is like doing a lesser version or like, you know, and kind of, or just sounding old or sounding played out. And that's n- the new Taylor's version is very strong. It is very worthwhile to listen to. Um, so check out the new version uh, reminisce the old version because like it's awesome too, but like great album. Yeah, yeah. really, really liked it. Yeah, this Le- is this has been getting the garage. 
Uh, speak now Taylor's version. Yeah, speak now Taylor's, yeah. and just let us know in the comments below. Like, do you like which one? Do you prefer? Do you like the old one? Do you like the new one? Are you a Swifty? Are you not a Swifty? You know, uh, if you're not and you listen to it, did you change your mind? Like. Mm -hmm. Like we did, you know, let us know in the comments below. Uh, yeah, don't forget to like and comment and subscribe, and we'll see you guys next time.